0: All right, everybody, thanks for joining me. Another episode of Conversations with Dr. Cowan and Friends. And today's friend is a good friend who needs no introduction, Dr. Andy Kaufman. And as everybody knows, I always tell my stupid stories in the beginning. And this um, first of all, today we are only talking about turpentine and <laughs> no viruses. <laughs> nothing else just uh this was about (coughs) turpentine
1: thank you tom for
0: uh, giving me a break from
1: viruses
0: (laughs) (laughs) right you can only talk about unicorns so so much until it's that you start to think maybe they are real (laughs) anyways um my recollection is is i i had uh done this video and people saw it and then um I got maybe a month later, an email from a friend saying, hey, Tom, you should watch this This guy from MIT says you're right. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, oh, that's interesting. Uh, So anyways, I watched it and uh, he did, meaning you did. Uh, And then eventually we talked and I'm not sure how that came about. And I don't know how it came about either, but I think I mentioned Gilbert Ling and how he had a whole thing about the cell is made of or tissues or cells or whatever made of structured water and the reason people get sick is because they have uh, stuff schmutz dissolved in their in their water and basically I've been looking my whole career for a way to get the schmutz out of the water and I remember distinctly said well why don't you just give them turpentine (laughs) (laughs) and I thought to myself Shit, why didn't I think of that? Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I also pride myself on, I don't want anybody to know any like natural medicine that I don't know. I'm sure they do, but it's a sort of arrogance. Um, and I'd heard of turpentine a little bit, but I, and it just hit me. <laughs> of course, you, <laughs> it's a solvent. And so that's the whole problem. And then you sent me a bunch of stuff on turpentine. And now I've used it a little bit. And I have a bottle of Creekwood Naturals, I think. And I'm going to find out if this is the right one. I also, by the way, have this, which is a jar, which I don't, it's not actually turpentine, but it's spruce resin, I think. A guy (laughs) from, um, so it's not officially turpentine, I don't think.
1: No, it's, it's definitely not turpentine. I think that's what they refer to as pitch.
0: Pitch, right. So this is spruce pitch. And the guy who collected this uh, had a little bit of an interesting story, which made me think he probably knew something. Is he said, he healed himself. He, li- he lives in the woods in Norway by mixing moose shit with his food, which he said increased the probiotic Uh, content of his food and healed his gut. And I thought, well, I'm not sure I would do that, but uh, I can't argue with success. And I tell you the other thing that was interesting about it, I was just at a conference at Joel Salatin's place and he said, Joel publicly, so I'm not saying anything uh, private, that he routinely drinks out of the same water trough as his cows <laughs> 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 to increase his microbial <laughs> diversity.
1: Well, you know, that's interesting. I, um, he probably already has plenty of the cows microbes, <laughs> but um, but you know, good for his enthusiasm.
0: Yeah, right. I, I'm not sure either one of those I'm quite ready to do yet. Uh, uh, well, you know, know.
1: With, with the, the moose uh, dung, you know, you maybe it might be a little bit more palatable to do a fecal transplant with it. Yeah,
0: right.
1: Um, But, you know, if there's a way to separate out the microorganisms from the waste products, (laughs) you know, that might be, I I usually recommend sauerkraut juice for probiotics, which uh, I know you're a big fan of too, Tom. I'm a big
0: fan of sauerkraut juice. Anyways, uh, that's a little bit further afield from turpentine. So uh, the agenda here is, uh, why would, what's the history of terpentine? Cause it's fascinating. Uh, you know, what is it? Where do you get it? How do people use it? I mean, I want people to know when to use it, why to use it, how to use it, where to get it, dose, everything. And we can do that in whatever time it takes. Uh, so
1: yeah, I'm that, happy to go through that.
0: With that, it's all yours. And I'll just a- ask if I don't quite get it or something like that.
1: Sure. Well, let me just um, give a disclaimer: that this is not medical advice. Um, this is simply uh, our opinions based on research, and there's no implied uh, or expressed doctor-patient relationship. But, um, and also, let me caution you that turpentine is not something that you just use willy-nilly. You need to be informed um, and follow an established uh, protocol to make sure that it's safe, because you can get cleansing reactions which could be very uncomfortable and unpleasant, and they're just unnecessary if you do the proper preparation. Um, and of course, you need to know what the safe dose is because like, like any potent medicine, there is definitely a toxic and a lethal dose. So um, you know what I talk about and teach is really based mostly on the research of uh, Dr. Jennifer Daniels, and now I've had considerable experience um, with this and people have no problems when they follow these instructions.
0: Right. So, and that's exactly uh, why we're doing
1: this. Yeah, it, that's right. And uh, people do come to me, though, and they say, oh, yeah, I just uh, decided to just take some turpentine willy nilly. And then then I was sick for three days. And, uh, you know, that that would have been predictable and preventable. Yeah. So going back to the history, you know, so there's some obscurity and it's hard to find information. But Dr. Daniels had learned. That back in the days of slavery in the South in the United States, that the slaves made turpentine and used it for healing purposes, and that when the you know the slave owners or their family were sick and unable to get better with you know the doctors they were using, they would go to the slaves and ask for their special cure, and uh, many lives were saved uh, anecdotally that way. There is some research from uh, France. Um, going back, uh, you know, 150 years on turpentine and its toxicity uh, and other studies. So you can find those if you're willing to go into the archives. Um, but what I think is the most interesting historical document is the Merck manual from 1899, because turpentine was actually a conventional standard uh, medication, in the, even in the United States, until the FDA was established and they ultimately banned it from being in any therapeutics. Um, there is one exception, interestingly, and if you don't know about this, uh, but there's one product that is grandfathered in that turpentine is still an ingredient, but they're not allowed to list it as an active ingredient. So if you look at the label, you might not even see it, um, but this is VIX Vicks VapoRub.
0: Yeah, right.
1: Um, and so Vicks is actually a decent medication for some things, like it works really well on uh, mosquito bites, for example. And uh, you might even use it for pneumonia if you cover your whole chest with it. So um, so turpentine has been known about, you know, as a healing product for a long time. It was really su- suppressed by the pharmaceutical interests because, uh, you know, it's basically pharmaceuticals are unnecessary when you have access to turpentine. And what it is, is it is the distilled sap from the spruce pine tree.
0: It's only spruce correct only
1: so so it's different from you know pine oil for example or pine needle tea or all these other products and the pitch that you described is a different fraction from the sap it's essentially what's left behind after the distillation process i believe so it may still have some of the healing properties but not as potent but i've heard uh, anecdotes of people using it on wounds like uh, making you know some kind of salve or patch out of it and having really good results. So it may, you know, I just haven't explored it so much but the turpentine is the, it's the oil fraction of the distillation, not the water or aqueous fraction. Right. And so it's, a you know, a mixture of terpenes and some other aliphatic compounds and it's an excellent solvent even industrially. And that's where most people know about it, right? It's a paint thinner. And if you go to a fine art supply store, uh, artists know that it's the best solvent for oil paints. And uh, even in the hardware store, you can uh, find it'll be the most expensive uh, paint thinner because it's not made from petroleum, uh, which is much cheaper to process. Um, So the important uh, thing to know that it's genuine turpentine is that it has to say on the label, pure gum spirits of turpentine and that that is the traditional name for this distillate that I'm talking about so if you're going to take it make sure it says that on the label sometimes they add adulterants like poison chemicals like benzene to it and you and they might call that denatured turpentine but you you know you definitely want to be careful about that but there's many many you know, products available, like in from boutique uh, companies, like the product that you showed there, which, you know, even though it doesn't say on the label, it's really intended for medicinal purposes.
0: So this, this one, this one from Creekwood Naturals, that is the real turpentine.
1: Well, I think, what does it say? 100% pure gum spirits right on the label there.
0: 100% pure gum spirits.
1: So that's exactly the right thing. So good job, Tom. There you go. So, um, I wanted to show. Uh, I'm going to share screen now this uh, because I looked at the Merck Manual from 1899 before they took turpentine out. Um, and you can see here I copied the title page. And so, the Merck Manual is, you know, like a major reference book that lists all medicinal substances known at the time of its publication and uh, various attributes about them. And so, this is the last one that had an entry for turpentine. And um, these are all of the therapeutic indications for turpentine that were were in the Merck Manual in 1899. So I'm just first going to show you the size of this list. Okay. So in other words, there were 88 different conditions that turpentine was listed as a treatment for. That's quite a, a lot of conditions. And if we look at them, we see some very quite significant um, conditions in here. Anthrax, okay. I'm not sure what Bright's disease, but bronchitis. Uh, calculi, those are gallstones or, or kidney stones. Um, cancer, okay. Uh, catalepsy, a very serious neurologic disease. Um, Chilblains is uh, another name for uh, a very serious condition. I can't remember, cholera right, um, cystitis, that's a urinary tract infection, deafness, diphtheria, dysentery, emphysema, um, enuresis is bedwetting, epilepsy, if due to worms, epistaxis is nosebleeds, um, erysipelas, that's another infection, fever, um, flatulence, that's an interesting one, but here gangrene, gastric ulcer, gonorrhea, hematuria, that's blood in the urine, um, intestinal hemorrhaging, hemorrhoids, Hydrocephalus—that's fluid on the brain. Impotence, um, jaundice—that's a problem with liver congestion. Um, meningitis. So you see tons of serious infections. Acute nephritis—that's a, a dangerous uh, kidney infection. Um, Paronychia—that's uh, a toenail or uh, fingernail infections. Um, you know, like like fungus. Uh, peritonitis, that's what happens when like, appendicitis ruptures and the, the stool spreads into the abdominal cavity. So we can go on and on here, pertussis, and all the way to the end. And of course, there are lots of worms on here, like tapeworm. Um, here, trigeminal neuralgia, very debilitating condition. But here, typhoid fever, smallpox, and yellow fever. So all these serious infections, many of them you know, falsely attributed to viruses, but turpentine is listed as a cure for all these things. And then here are the physiologic actions that it is is attributed to it. So this is a anti-helminthic is uh, to treat worms and parasites. Antiseptic is for infections. Uh, Diaphoretic, that basically means it it makes you sweat like sweating out a fever. Um, I've never uh, heard of it used that way, but this is what they reported as a diuretic. It will increase your urine production an expectorant to help you clear, uh, you know, mucus and blockages um, and a styptic, which is to stop bleeding. Like uh, people might remember that from shaving, they would have like a a pen that they use. So you could use turpentine for that purpose. So it's, it's quite an impressive array of indications.
0: I also heard that it was the only quote, medicine that the uh, slaves in the United States were actually allowed to have or use. Although I think they could, you know, forage for herbs, but right, pretty much it.
1: Well, you know, it's very inexpensive and it's very easy to make on your own. You know, if you can make moonshine, you can make turpentine. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's very accessible. And, you know, this is why it's such a threat to the pharmaceutical industry, because, you know, I mean, you couldn't have paid more than 10 or $15 for that bottle. And, uh, you know, that'll last you years
0: <laughs> and it never goes bad. I think, is that
1: I'm, I'm not aware of it really going bad, uh, yeah. to be honest with you, yeah. it's not light sensitive or anything. So lasts quite a long time. So the, you know, some important things to know are one, you know, the, the maximum safe dose that you should ever use in one day is one teaspoon. And that should be like the total dose. So if you you might take it orally and use it on your skin, so make sure that the total doesn't exceed that dose in one day. Um, so that's like an important safety guideline. By the way, the, the lowest dose that um, has been reported that was fatal, and this was of a young child, was three tablespoons. So that would be a, roughly 10 times the, the maximum safe dose that I'm talking about. Okay. Um, And it can be used on the skin for quite a number of conditions, um, including like cellulitis or serious skin infections, as well as abscesses, you know, wounds that like are getting inflamed or, you know, I often just use a few drops to dress a a wound if it's, you know, more than just a little tiny nick. Um,
0: Basically, is the idea that it's, you know, as a solvent and, and besides it has other terpenes and other you know, beneficial substances, it, but it basically essentially binds to toxins and pulls them out.
1: Yeah. So here's my theory about how it works. And I, I also believe, you know, or my hypothesis is that it is the solvent properties that make it successful. So what I think happens is, you know, our body is aqueous, right? It's made of water. Water is the key component. Um, but we do have some like fatty compounds in our body, right, that repel water and don't, uh, they interact with it very differently, but they can't be dissolved by water. So what I think happens is that many of the toxins that we're exposed to are actually also oil soluble, fatty, greasy junk. Like, for example, if you take the, uh, you know, P-trap out of your sink, um, you know, or any drain pipe in your house and look at it, and you you wipe your finger on the inside, and this greasy gunk, right, will always collect there. So so my theory is that the same kind of thing happens in all of our blood vessels and in the parenchyma or the 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 substance of our organs. And you know this is actually vascular is specifically this buildup of stuff in the blood vessels and it oxidizes cholesterol and you know activates the clotting system and causes all sorts of problems. And that when we do conventional cleansing, that it's, it's really kind of aqueous or water-based mm-hmm. and it yeah. just leaves, like it can mechanically agitate some of this stuff and get it out, but there's like some you know layer that binds, uh, that stays behind. And I think this becomes the, the preferred milieu often for parasites, that if enough of it build up, then parasites will establish themselves. Uh, you know, in that milieu. So when you use the turpentine, it essentially gets in there and dissolves that gunk, and totally cleans it out, you know, kind of like if you're using the, uh, you know, Drano or something like that, although it's not, you know, um, toxic like Drano, I mean, Drano is hy- hydrochloric, a- I mean, it's a uh, sodium hydroxide, a very potent alkaline, you know, corrosive substance. Oh, yeah. um, but, you know, in this case, it's just a a sort of, you know, a mild solvent that doesn't really have untoward effects on our physiology, um, but it dissolves this. And then, you know, those um, waste products are then go through the liver and out, you know uh, the bowels into the toilet, uh, if we do the proper things to stimulate that system to to move it out. And so, you know, so that's how I think it really uh, is effective. And similarly, when you have skin lesions, uh, like a skin infection or uh, you know, lumps and bumps of various kinds that that's your body trying to express toxins through the skin or store them there because they won't damage a vital organ. And by putting various solvents on those lesions you basically absorb those, you know, or dissolve those toxins into the blood vessels. And if you have stimulated your bowels and your liver, then they'll just remove them out of your body, rather than having them resettle somewhere else and cause another problem. I mean, that's what a cleansing reaction really is. It's when the toxins get liberated in your body, but they have no place to exit. And they resettle somewhere else, uh, or just are circulating around the blood and and cause uh, this this cleansing symptoms.
0: Got it. Okay. All right. So that's the theory, and so and we know a little bit about what um, what indications, what conditions we can use it for. So give me, let's hear about how you actually would go about doing it.
1: Yeah. Well, before let me just add one. A really important indication because these illnesses didn't exist in 1899, really, or at least not on the scale that they are now. And I'm talking about autoimmune disease. Yeah. So in my observation of people who have done this with various autoimmune disorders, including, you know, ones that are maybe more controversial, like fibromyalgia, but also ulcerative colitis, Crohn's disease, lupus, etc. that people have had amazing results and there have been many people who were completely cured yeah. um, of those conditions. Um, so that's, that's an important um, area to consider turpentine.
0: Got
1: it. Um, so yeah. So how do you go about doing it safely? So for, you know, topical use, it's much, much simpler. You can just use it right away, but what you want to do is have some other kind of, um, procedure in place to let those toxins that you dissolve from the skin get out of the body so the you know simplest thing is would be to stimulate the bowels and the and the liver and you can do that with just an enema you could if you're going to just have one big blowout you could take like castor oil like a quarter cup um, or you could use you know herbal Water, laxatives.
0: castor oil straight
1: well you mean you can mix it with something down. But yeah, you really need that much. Some people need more than that, to really clean yourself out. But you know, I would reserve that for if you have a serious condition um, that you're treating. Um, But you could just, you know, use some herbal laxatives too, like senna and cascara and uh, barberry root. Uh, There's a lot of preparations that have blends of those things that are, uh, you know, more or less palatable. So, uh, but you could also do, you know, other things like you can uh, do like a bath with bentonite clay or Epsom salts, or you could do an infrared sauna. Um, And then that, that might be, you know, even more makes sense for the skin because you're using the sweat glands and the pores to get the stuff out of your body. So, so, you know, there, you just need that combination. Otherwise those things will resettle somewhere else, which is what you don't want.
0: So another, so first step, so you've got some Boil or some kind of uh, cellulitis, the quote, infection on the skin, or even some area in the skin that's painful, maybe? Or,
1: yeah, or you have like some, you know, uh, lesion there that, you know, a bump or lump or a scar, um, you know, many, many things that are abnormal in the skin, uh, they can all uh, potentially respond to solvents.
0: Right. So basically, you, um, probably drink some water, you do either an enema or take uh, some sort of herbal laxative, make sure you have, your bowels are pretty clear. Um, Is there a, you have to have two bowel movements, three bowel movements or uh, doesn't it? Right,
1: well, you know, if you're just using a couple of drops topically, it's not gonna be, you don't have to worry too much if you just, you know, can even like the day that you use it or for a couple of days have, make sure you have a couple extra bowel movements like yeah. not, not go too crazy. But if you're going to take it internally, then you have to be very, very strict. And and I feel the safest thing is you have to have a minimum of three bowel movements a day for 14 days um, along with taking enough water, because, you know, if you're dehydrated and your blood is thick, you can't um, get clear out the stuff. So you're kind of like doing a pre detox, getting out all the water-based stuff so that when the turpentine gets in there and gets that greasy junk that your system's not overwhelmed with so much toxicity that, that it can't get it out.
0: Got it. So, so again, do you do a little bit uh, herbal laxatives, uh, enema, maybe colonic, yeah. do some sweating and then you do what?
1: So after you do that preparatory work and I, I also recommend doing um, a 30 day cleansing diet at the same time that you're uh, doing the prep work. Um, so that would be just basically like a strict whole food, uh, vegan diet with, but without legumes and without any gluten containing grains. So you could eat like quinoa or brown rice, uh, root vegetables, and then, you know, all regular vegetables. You limit the amount of uh, fruit temporarily to one piece of fruit a day, uh, just because many times the parasites, Uh, want sugar and you're kind of like starving them out a little bit before you remove their furniture uh, with the turpentine. And, uh, but the, you know, that's not the, like, if you're already in a situation where you've been doing cleansing and you're somewhat detoxed, you could probably eat a more full diet, but you definitely want to like, make sure that you don't have any processed foods. You don't want to be drinking any alcohol. You want to get rid of, non water beverages and only drink water make sure you're, you know, it's really important that you're adequately hydrated, I recommend at least one quart or liter per 60 pounds of body weight a day, and it it needs to be purified water at least and you know purified and structured would be optimal. But uh, so other people, you know, might want to do a water fast to prepare and that's reasonable as long as you do some real cleansing and have the bowel movements and the water and you don't put in extra toxins Um, that should be, you know, sufficient to prepare you Um, some people, you know, might be super toxic, and they might even have to do it a little bit longer. Um, so like if you, if you go through a protocol like this and uh, we can tell you where to find a published protocol, um, you know, if you take some and you have any cleansing reaction at all, like any discomfort, you should just hold off on taking any more and do some more cleansing first. So another week.
0: Does this preclude like somebody just turns up with, you know, like acute pneumonia or kidney infection? Does that mean they can't really do turpentine?
1: Uh, No, not at all. But I would uh, say that there's a different way to do it for that. Uh So like uh, in an emergency situation or an urgent situation, there's uh, two things you can do. So one is if it's a systemic systemic illness, like even sepsis or even if you don't know and someone's like, you know, really, really sick and you don't know what to do, you can give turpentine with castor oil. Um, And so you put a quarter cup of castor oil and one teaspoon of turpentine, you can mix those together because they're both oil solvents and take that. And because that will guarantee that you will, you know, have a huge bowel output. So you won't, and it's also like a life-threatening or urgent situation. So that's like the shortcut if you needed to do it quickly. And that would prevent, you know, any severe cleansing reaction. And you can repeat that daily, um, you know, if the person is still remains ill, but they're getting better. For pneumonia, um, there's another way to do it. Um, you know, I definitely mentioned that you could cover your entire like rib cage with um, Vicks VapoRub, and that may be therapeutic. But uh, what people have done that has basically had them recover from pneumonia in 24 hours is to make a steam infusion with turpentine. So you, you definitely do enemas or something to, you know, uh, clean out your bowels at the same time, but you w- just take a quart of water, like distilled water or some purified water and uh, add two cloves of garlic, boil it for 10 minutes, and then turn off the heat and put five drops of turpentine on the top and then put a you know towel over your head and do steam inhalation for five to 10 minutes. And you can do that three times a day. Um, you know, and then do a couple of enemas and that, that should uh, have really good results for pneumonia.
0: Got it. Okay. So there's acute illness where a person's not prepared and that's, you do bowel cleansing, either enemas or, or some laxative, but you don't need to really, because you're putting a teaspoon of turpentine in a quarter cup of castor oil. Right. So drink a lot of water and, you should be good with that.
1: Yeah, and make sure you're close to a toilet when you take it. Right, um, and be prepared to sit there for a while. Um, but that that could, you know, totally turn a critically ill situation around.
0: Does that help? I would imagine that might even help for pain, or like an abscess tooth, or something like that.
1: Uh, well. You know, if you have something that is focal at one particular site, I would probably go for more localized uh, treatment. I, you know, I haven't heard of people using it in the mouth, uh, you know, for a tooth infection. Um, I would generally uh, think about other things uh, with, with that situation. But if it's like, an, uh, you know, if it's an abscess, if it's in the gum line, or something where, you know, they would want to do surgery, then certainly that would be an appropriate thing. Uh, to do, you might even be able to just, you know, put a small amount and like swoosh it in that part of your mouth, or you could try to, you know, put it on your finger and rub it in that area, certainly, but I would use it like at the site rather than systemically for that. But if it looked like the person was getting septic from a tooth infection, that's when you go for the castor oil mix.
0: Got it. And so then the other one is if it's in the lungs, probably bronchitis or pneumonia, then you do the steam inhalation along with the uh, bowel cleansing and drinking yeah. and stuff like that exactly so, so then the other one is the more like autoimmune sort of chronic things so you're sick generally
1: yeah for a number of chronic conditions or you know any condition where with parasites um you know autoimmune diseases uh, a lot of other things uh, possibly even cancer i mean i don't have direct experience but it's definitely like there was actually, there was one person with a recurrent lymphoma who was able to um, reverse that with using a solvent on the site, um, turpentine mixed with castor oil, and then also doing systemic uh, turpentine.
0: And so that procedure is 30 days of this very clean diet. Yep. And 30 days of, having two to three bowel movements every day?
1: No, it's gotta be three minimum. And right. it, and you have to keep that up as long as you keep taking the turpentine. So, you, so basically the first two weeks, right? You have the cleansing diet, the water, and the bowel movements. Then you can start the turpentine. You continue the diet for two more weeks, and then you can start in, reintroducing other food groups. And you should do it slowly and pay attention to how your body responds to those food groups. Cause you might identify that your body is intolerant to something that you might want to avoid. Um, but, but you can go back to eating pretty normally um, after the 30 days and still continue to turpentine. So to keep taking the turpentine, you just need to have the water requirement and, and three minimum bowel movements. And then it continues to be safe. Like you could even keep taking it for like 12 months And there have been some people like with autism who have done it that long and, you know, continue to put worms out in their stool for, you know, almost indefinitely, it seems like, but, but you should basically continue it until you feel you've got the maximum benefit. And for most people, it's around four weeks, Um, depends on how seriously ill they are. So, you know, the more ill you are, probably the longer you would uh, continue to do it. And normally I recommend, uh, or I would say to do it three times a week. Dr. Daniels says two times a week. And the, you know, the, the dose that range that's effective for internal use would be between a half teaspoon and one teaspoon. And, you know, everyone, you should just trust your body when you, you know, take a half teaspoon and see how it feels. And if your body feels like it wants more then try three quarters and, um, you know, let your body guide you to what the right dose is for you. But anywhere in that range is enough to be therapeutic.
0: And how do you take it? Do you just take it straight on a spoon? Or I know, she puts it on a sugar cube? Yeah,
1: yes. So I, um, I go with the time honored uh, sugar uh, method, uh, you know, and aside from that emergency castor oil situation. um, And, you know, it's, it's, Too challenging to use sugar cubes. So just use granulated sugar, like make sure it's organic, but it, trust me, it's better to just use a plain white sugar.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) And uh, because, you know, like I tried one time uh, using the raw sugar um, and it's got like a lot of sharp edges on the crystals and it it scratches your throat going down. Yeah. So um, by the way, if you do get any throat scratchiness in your throat, it's from the sugar crystals not from the turpentine. Got it. But uh, so you put like three times as much sugar as turpentine. So if you're going to take one teaspoon of turpentine, you take three teaspoons of sugar, which is a tablespoon. So you might need a, like a, a serving spoon to do this. Um, if you can get it all in your mouth at one time, you can split it in half if you want. And then the reason you do more sugar is because when you drip the turpentine on top, some of the sugar should be dry um, and some of it will be wet with the turpentine. And, you know, I don't know if this is just folklore or if this is really true, but the, the thought process is, is the sugar is bait for the parasites that they take up the turpentine. But I'm not even sure that, you know, the turpentine even kills the, uh, the worms. I think, I think they just don't need to stay around anymore once that oily sludge is gone. But, uh, because you don't, people don't get like a kill reaction. They don't get you know, worms and tiny little pieces in their stool that you generally are intact, um, which is good because, you know, if they get chewed up and they release the contents of their body, then that will make you sick. Yeah. So that's why this is a very gentle compared to, you know, pharmaceuticals that, that uh, treat worms, they are not gentle and they could cause that kind of a inflammation reaction.
0: So a half a teaspoon of turpentine gives you um, one and a half teaspoons of sugar you drip it on uh, with an eyedropper some of it should be moist some of it should be dry and then you just put that in your mouth and swallow
1: yep and well you, you know you might chug some water after um, I actually found because you know it's recommended to take some antioxidants while you do this protocol and so I tried Putting ascorbic acid powder in the water and drinking that to uh, chug down the uh, turpentine, and I found that that way was uh, was pleasant. But you don't have to do it that way. You could just do it with the straight water. Yeah. Um, the important thing is you just just get it down. But don't like chew on it or anything like that. Just you know keep drinking until it all goes down. Got it. And then then you're good. I recommend doing it in the evening. Because you will have some burping for a few hours after and it'll be, you know, taste like turpentine. Yeah. Um, and so if that happens while you're sleeping, it won't, you know, it'll be less uh, uh, of a nuisance.
0: Got it. And then you do that either two or three times a week for four plus weeks until your situation is better slash maybe resolved.
1: Yes, exactly right. Um, And you can, if you want, beyond that, you can do a maintenance schedule and you don't have to do the cleansing diet all over again. You just have to make sure that at least for a couple of days beforehand, you have extra bowel movements or do an enema, you know, on the day uh, you're going to take it and the day after. Um, But then you can, you know, do it once a month, once a week, um, you know, or you could, you know, once a year do another protocol. Like, that's what I've done. I've done it three times uh, now myself, kind of like once a year, yeah. roughly.
0: And Jennifer Daniels sells something called Vitality Formula, which is a sort of yeah. easy way to make you have more bowel movements.
1: Yeah, it's Vitality Capsules, is, and and the website is VitalityCapsules.com, and and that I was going to mention that because if you go there, you can download the Candida Cleaner report, which is essentially the protocol that I described, and and a lot more information, um, and so that is your instruction manual to do this safely, and and make sure that you follow it, you know exactly the way it's written, um, if you want to have the best results. But yeah, the Vitality Capsules is is one of the easiest things you can use to increase your bowel movements. And it's, a, um, and she, you know, she's very careful about sourcing her ingredients. And a lot of times she runs out of inventory because the ingredients didn't meet her quality standards, but, but it's a, it's a blend of three herbal laxatives, senna, cascara, and barberry root. And then it has several other, um, uh, herbs that are more like soothing or have of other purposes. So it has like garlic, ginger, um, cape aloe. And then there's like a, an extra strength formula that also has cayenne pepper. And so, you know, you basically, the way you do it is you take, you know, one capsule the first day and, and you should take this with your biggest meal of the day, because that will uh, lessen the possibility of cramping and uh, make sure you drink enough water with it. And then you see how many bowel movements you get the next day. And if you don't get three, then the next day you take two capsules. And you keep adding one capsule a day until you can guarantee that you get three bowel movements. So some people get this really quickly at one or two capsules. Um, I have some, some bowels of iron. So like I had to take, I think 12 or 13 of the regular strength. And then I switched to the extra strength and I could take six or seven of those and, and get that output. So everyone's gonna be unique and don't be worried if you like have to take a lot of capsules, but there are other things you can do also, if you prefer like that things you didn't mention, Tom, that can increase your bowel output would be drinking uh, celery juice. Yeah. You probably need at least a pint. You, you'd have to also, you know, titrate it to get the right output. Um, and then if you boil beets, it's right. right now you could also use prunes but i don't like i, I don't want to recommend that because they're very high in sugar but you know like if there's a child that might be doing this that that might be an acceptable uh shortcut um to get them because you know they can't swallow pills or they probably you know um might resist enemas <laughs> but the the fallback always is that you can always do an enema and just one enema a day is sufficient to prevent the cleansing reaction. So if you like, let's say you want to get going and you don't want to wait to till your body to naturally have three bowel movements, you can just do daily enema. Um, and then those days count toward the 14 days. Got it. And I, I, when I say an enema, I don't mean like with fleet soda or some other poison. I'm just talking about like one liter of distilled
0: water. Got it. Okay. And I don't know if there's anything else. So we know where to get it. Uh, you can uh, get it from Creekwood Naturals. That's one place. There's probably other places, 100% pure gum spirits. Uh Got the bowel cleanser. We got the protocol, acute care, skin or internal. I think that's it.
1: Yeah, that's the, the comprehensive course on turpentine.
0: Comprehensive course on turpentine. No virus is needed.
1: Absolutely not.
0: Great, anything else, final words?
1: Well, uh, you know, um, can't think of anything but we could always put in a plug for our next COVID myths conference.
0: All right. Why don't you do the plug?
1: Sure, so uh, we have COVID myths part two that we just launched. Um, It'll be July 17th um, at 2 p.m. to 4 Eastern time. And uh, this time we have some brand new material. We're gonna talk about uh, magnetism in the circulation and the magnetic arms uh, with the experimental vaccine. We're gonna talk about uh, the uh, nature and possible origins of the spike protein and covering some new research. And also a special follow-up to our there is no virus series, um, which will be called virus mimickers where the establishment uh, once again uh, openly admits uh, the same conclusions that we've come to about uh, those microscopic images of viruses. So uh, please join us. The uh, website is covid-19-myths.com where you can go to either Tom or my website and find a link to uh, get tickets and register for this event.
0: Great. Okay. I think we got it.
1: All right. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, as Great always. To you again.
0: Okay. Take care. Bye-bye.